Hello and welcome to the Marysville Journal-Tribune podcast. My name is Michael Williamson and I'm here today with... Tim Miller, sports editor of the Marysville Journal-Tribune. Alexi Pavlov, sports editor of the Richwood Gazette. All right, so we have Tim and Alexi back on the show today. Uh, we're going to talk a little sports. Specifically, we're going to talk about... Uh, do a little bit of a spring sports roundup. So we're going to talk some baseball, softball, lacrosse, some track and tennis and other things. So where do you guys want to begin? Uh, we're going to start off with baseball. Um, it's Baseball's been... Up and down this spring, uh, the best team we have in the area is Jonathan Alder, which is not a newsflash. Alder has been a pretty solid program for over a decade uh, with Craig Kyle as the head coach since 2010, and Matt Gilkerson was the coach before that. Um, Alder's currently in first place in the Central Buckeye Conference's Kenton Trail Division. Uh, they don't have a lot of what I would call big name stars. They've just got a lot of decent ball players who who play well together as a team. They've got uh, a young man by the name of Andrew Harp, who's fifth in the conference in batting average with a 440 mark. Uh, Chase Choppin and Chase Maynard are tied for third in RBIs with 17. Uh, Choppin has developed into a pretty decent pitcher. I don't have his numbers right in front of me, but he's got uh, some help with uh, Jonathan Keith. I think this is the team that if any of our baseball teams are going to go very far in the postseason, uh, Jonathan Alder is going to. And, that, and again, that's that's no newsflash. Alder has won, excuse me, a number of Division II district titles over the years. And it looks like they're going to be back in the run for another district title. Uh, the other four baseball teams have struggled at times. Uh, Fairbanks is they're even at nine and nine this year. They uh, they're led by senior Grant Roush, who's batting 489, and Noah Roush, who I don't know if there's any relation there, but he's driven in 18 runs. Marysville. I've seen them play a few times, and jury's still out on them. They've won seven of their 17 games. Uh, they've got some talented players in R.J. Thornton and Tristan Burns, who were just recognized last night uh, for senior night. Uh, they got off to a, a rough start this year. The middle part of the regular season was a little bit better, and it seems like they're coming on of late. So uh, it's, it's going to be a very uh, – Difficult journey, though, I think, for them in the Division One tournament. Uh, looking at uh, the seedings, Jonathan Alder um, will open the tournament at home on May 17th. They're going to play either London or Columbus Linden McKinley. I don't think there's going to be any problem for Jonathan Alder, regardless of which team they face. Marysville's got a little tougher road. They're the number 28-seeded team in the D1 tournament, and they're going to play at St. Charles, which is number 24. That's a very winnable game for Marysville. Uh, it's the next one that could concern me on May 18th. The, the Marysville-St. Charles game is on May 16th. Two days later, Marysville's going to have to go and play at number 18, Newark. So it, it's, it's always very helpful if you get – a home game at least to start the tournament. Marysville doesn't have that luxury this year. Neither do Fairbanks or North Union. They're 
those two teams, they're supposed to play each other at North Union on Thursday. That's because of the scheduling we've had. That's still a little bit up in the year. That's when they'd like to play it, whether they can play it or not, whether they may have to squeeze it in next week between tournament games. That remains to be seen. And we'll talk a little bit about scheduling <laughs> exactly. with the weather here in a few minutes. Uh, Fairbanks will be going on the road uh, with their number 10 seed, and they're going to play at number 5 Worthington Christian. So they're going to have to bring their A game on that. North Union is the 14th seeded team in D3. They've got a, a similar type of, of challenge. They're going to go on the road at at Amanda Clear Creek, which is the number four seed in Division Three, uh, and North Union's got some some good ball players there. They're under the leadership of first-year head coach Nick Blakely. If that name sounds familiar to local baseball fans, Nick was a longtime assistant coach at Fairbanks before the North Union job came open. Uh, Aaron Krebahenny's uh, leading the team in batting 344. Landon Converse has led the team 12 RBIs. Yeah, it's another case North Union got off to a slow start, but they, they seem like they're playing a little bit better as of late. They've, got, they've won seven of their 18 games, so hopefully that's going to bode well for them down the road. Uh, triad baseball team, triad teams have struggled uh, in a variety of sports over the last year or so. Cardinals have only won six times in 18 games, but they they've got some decent ball players. Logan Braun, for example, is leading the team with 13 RBIs. Uh, they've got a couple of nice pitchers in Derek Bales and Aiden Springs, but at they're not getting a lot of offensive support. Uh, the team has hit no home runs this season, and that's very unusual for a high school baseball team. It's not like it's not to say that high school baseball teams are power-hitting teams, but you usually see teams with a handful of home runs by the end of the season. Triad has yet to be able to clear the fence. I've only seen them play one time, and that was against Marysville in the Hayes-Hayne tournament. And Marysville pretty much controlled that game by the run rule. And our softball postseason fortunes, I think, are going to be a little bit better than our baseball. So mm -hmm. we'll turn it over to Alexi for mm -hmm. any comments that he's seen from baseball and softball, or then, then he'll go to lacrosse. Right, and um, one of the things that I wanted to mention is that, you know, that this being, now that I'm officially a resident of this state and I can now vote here and I pay taxes, um, I have now experienced what a full Ohio spring can offer, and that is um, a lot of uncertainty. Uh, one of the one of the key things that I always um, wanted to ask, especially you know coaches like Blakely and um, and uh, and and Nick Blake, no no relation right there, but uh, I asked them about like you know what it's like to you know play in such clear weather, uh, given the fact that we've experienced such um, you know ver variety of like snow, rain. Um, they say it's just nice to get out there, and it's I mean they could do without the wind chill, but um, I I I wonder is this Tim in your eyes. Where does this season rank in terms of the weather that whoever up above is giving us? <laughs> uh, this is one. This has been one of the worst weather spring sports seasons that I can remember. 
I know there was a time uh, over 20 years ago that we had a very, very wet spring and caused a lot of problems with particularly the softball district tournaments. And at that time, all games were being held in Pickerington. Right. We had to go down there for four straight days only to turn around and come back because of rainouts. This regular season has been a challenge, again, with the cold weather. I think the coldest I've been this year was a softball game I had over a triad against Kenton Ridge. Uh, a windshield had to have been in the low 20s. Right. It was hailing. We had what they call that grapple, whatever in the world that is. Yeah, uh, a little bit of wet rain, you know, a little bit of a wet snow to go along with some rain. So uh, it's been challenging, and really it's, it's amazing to me, considering the weather, that these teams have gotten in as many games as they have this year. High school baseball and softball, they generally schedule anywhere from 25, 26 games. And the fact that most of them have 15, 16, 17 or more, that's a credit to being able to get the fields ready to go and, right. and playing through some questionable weather. But uh, this week, the rest of this week, sounds like it's going to be nice as softball teams open tournament. Well, I was about to say the last two and a half weeks have been very favorable um, in terms of the weather, in terms of the weather we've been experiencing. But um, except for late last week, except for late last week when we had when I was oh well I was out on, at at uh, Marysville for the Marysville versus uh, Jonathan Alder lacrosse game and that was torrential downpour and I was just looking at some of my photos I was pleased that my camera didn't uh, shut off on me all of a sudden yeah but that's lacrosse those people crawl playing all kinds of crazy weather, <laughs> exactly so. no I, I I recall so distinctly that I covered a girls game in the you know pouring snow it was it was it was on a Saturday but with that being said I wanted to kind of talk about a sport that's been on the come up as of recent years um you know, lacrosse isn't necessarily a Union County uh, sport. It's not. It's not popularized just yet. But um, these three teams, uh, two of which belonging to Marysville, um, are kind of shaking things up. And I'm. And I'm. You know, overall, I think I'm, that I'm very proud to see the effort that's being put out. Uh, the Lady Monarchs. Um, they've been struggling this year. They've been struggling in the past, but they got their first ever OCC win this year. Um, they're four and ten. Uh, and one and four in the OCC, four and ten overall, I should say. Um, and you know, one of the things that I talked to Tim about is Tim Merrick, the head coach. Um, you know, he wanted the the girls just to go out and have fun. Um, I spoke with Emma Swart before this season, uh, one of the senior leaders on that team, uh, also a wrestler. Shout out to the Lady uh, Monarchs who wrestle. Um, she is. She she's she spoke about how um, last year there wasn't the right mindset on the team. This year it's a bit different. Uh, they have a JV team, and it sounds like the youth program has been on the up and up. Um, and uh, in in terms of who I've seen out there, um, you know, there's no real standout um, in terms of you know high score or not. They they they've been in they've been the subject of a lot of low scoring affairs on their end. Uh, teams have put up goals on them, but. Looking ahead to the tournament, um, they face Hilliard Bradley on May 14th uh, this weekend, um, and it's going to be an interesting one because they beat Hilliard Bradley 11 to 10 at home on April 15th. Uh, this was their first uh, OCC win, and it was quite honestly one of the more exciting games that I've seen this season. 
um, you know, when I talked to Tim uh, Merrick during that time, you know, it was just about building off of these uh, victories. So um, I have, you know, op optimism for them heading in, and I hope that they can uh, give the Lady Panthers uh, what they gave them on uh, late April. Um, so moving on to the boys, the boys have also been struggling for Marysville. Um, they're 4-11 overall and 1-4 in, in the OCC as well. Um, they've been they've been struggling to get uh, you know you know scores together. Um, their offense has struggled against some of the top teams. Uh, Thomas Worthington being one of them, uh, where they lost uh, 21 to one. But with that being said, Isaac Tachi Sr., um, who's going to Wheeling uh, for lacrosse, I believe, uh, he's he leads the team in scoring with 30 goals. He also leads the team in assists. For, for a combined uh, 37 points as a player. Um, second behind him is Ben Dury, uh, who's scored 23 goals, had one assist on the year, but has, has uh, earned 24 points as a player. Luke Montgomery, um, he's been someone who I've been interested in uh, following. Uh, he's a sophomore for the Monarchs, uh, also plays football. And, um, you know, he's, he's, he's very long, um, not, not quite top-end speed fast, but he he can lay the wood whenever needed um you know give body checks give good stick checks um he's someone who i think um, the monarchs will be thankful to have moving forward um with that also being said julian juice kennedy he recently got the um warrior award uh for when they played jonathan alder uh, last week on friday um it was in honor of a former teammate of theirs uh colin tanner who lost his life uh, to cancer, osteosarcoma, I believe, and, um, you know, his father, George, and his older brother, also named George, um, were there to uh, give uh, Julian the award, and it was it was quite a remembrance, um, and that was a good game in and of itself. Uh, Jonathan Alder ended up getting uh, the upper hand on them, but it was it was still a good game. Uh, Jonathan Alder won 13-6 uh, to six, uh, on Friday, but... Um, with that being said, Julian Kennedy has uh, scored four goals and ha has had three assists on the year. Um, and but but a striking resemblance. Um, you know, ground balls are everything in lacrosse. Um, that means that you're getting the possession whenever the ball is free. Um, Isaac Tachi and Julian both have 40 uh, ground balls this year. Um, Isaac Tachi's been shooting a lot for the Monarchs, uh, 116 shots to be exact. Um, uh, Julian has, uh, oh, I'm sorry, um, Ben Dury has the second uh, highest with 74 for a 31 uh, shot percentage. Um, and, if, and if we're looking at, uh, you know, shot percentage in terms of who's leading, Aiden Raymond uh, has 100% shot percentage. He's had one goal um, and one shot attempt, and there you go. He has 100%. Um, but with that being said, uh, you know, uh, Luke Montgomery has 37% uh, shot percentage. He's scored 11 goals, had three assists, combined for 14 points as a player. He also has 38 ground balls, um, and he's had 30 shots on the year. So overall, I mean, like these these cats are very uh, competitive, um, and I've been and it's been interesting watching them, you know, go through the ebbs and flows of this season. Zach Angle, the head coach, noted that um, when they play together. You know they seem to get the job done. Um, it's been a struggle, you know, when when you when you have lopsided affairs such as Thomas Worthington, 
um, who put up, you know, a lot of a lot of goals, and you know that's an established program. Um, it's needed to kind of experience that, just so that you know what um, what to what to look for in the future um, and how to improve for the future. So, overall, I've been proud of uh, the Marysville boys in terms of looking over uh, to the tournament. They play Dublin Scioto on May fourteenth, um, but they will be playing at home. The girls will be playing on the road. Um, and the interesting part about this is that Dublin Scioto kicked them out of the playoffs last year. This year, they got revenge against uh, the Dublin Scioto team. Um, they beat them nine to four. Uh, I'm sorry, nine to seven. And uh, it was it was an interesting affair, only because at the time uh, Zach was very very happy about that, and uh, I'm sure that he's eager to get back um, at Dublin Scioto again on April 14th. Uh, I'm sorry, on May 14th, rather. Um, they beat Dublin Scioto uh, on April 14th this past season. Um, so it'll be it'll be an interesting uh, rematch, re-rematch, as they say. Looking onward to probably the uh, most improved team of this year, um, Rob Davis, head coach for um, the Pioneers, noted that this may be uh, the most prosperous season um, Jonathan Alder has had in terms of lacrosse. They have a JV team. Uh, they've been putting up good uh, scores and good records. Um, but right now, uh, J.A. Lacks is 9-7 and seven overall. Um, and this is in Division Two as well, so we have to note that there is no conference, designated conference in Division Two. According to laxnumbers.com, out of 76 teams, uh, JA ranks uh, 26. Um, around, uh, you know, that's, and they're in pretty competitive company in that regard. But in terms of scoring, I mean, hey, uh, gotta give credit where credit is due. Um, Mason Wolford has been lights out. Uh, he's, he's had about 10 hat tricks this season, um, putting up monster goals um and then right behind him is um uh aspen cameron um i'm sorry uh well how about this the the top three scorers for ja is Corey kingery aspen cameron and mason wolford um all three of those guys are going to be vital in terms of the pioneers being successful during the playoffs um ja will be playing uh Chaminade julian on May 17th next week um, and this will be another interesting affair because unlike the other two teams that I mentioned who beat their previous opponents heading into the tournament JA has lost to Chaminade Julian when they went out uh, to Dayton and uh, played them on their home turf they lost uh, seven to five earlier this year and um, you know uh, they may have a chip on their shoulder heading into this one because when I spoke with Rob Davis uh, Around this, around the last time those two teams played, he mentioned that they're very comparable. Um, and the last two goals against uh, against them that Chaminade scored uh, to take the lead were in the last two minutes. So, as long in lacrosse, I've learned this year watching college, watching high school, the seas can change. The seas can really change in a split second. And just because you have a five-goal lead with four minutes left. You 
can't can't let anything to chance. Um, and this will be this will be interesting. But overall, um, I believe that uh, this is a good year for lacrosse in this area. And I hope uh, that other schools in this uh, region of the state will see the success that not only JA has had, but the amount of fun that the boys for Marysville and the girls have had this season, especially the girls. I mean, they have probably the best attitude um, out of any of these teams, really. They they really come out and play, and that's all that they're about is just having fun. So well, that kind of rounds out everything that I want to talk about lacrosse. But Tim. I, I think the most important things when you're trying to build a, a program for the long haul is – developing a feeder system what do the feeder programs for these three lacrosse teams look like in your view from what you've heard or seen so what i've been so uh mr dury ben dury's father um alluded to me and has uh told me a lot about their youth program at, at least from the boys standpoint um like i mentioned before the girls program they have they have a jv team the boys don't this year just because they don't have enough numbers at the high school level but the, the hope is to build uh, the boys' team up to where they can have a JV team next year. Um, obviously, they want to, you know, from the middle school level, um, there's a lot of kids that play lacrosse. Uh, and they're hoping that as long as they keep the interest at the younger level, that that will then carry forward. Um, not only that, I mean, the, the boys and, uh, from JA and um, Marysville, they play together during the offseason. I mean, just this past uh, summer, before the season started, um, J.A. and Marysville came together uh, and, you know, we're playing bo box lacrosse, what is known as box lacrosse. Um, so Explain that a little bit. With, how's that differ from the regular lacrosse that some fans may see? Um, so it, so sometimes it's played indoors. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's less people on the field. It's a tighter environment. Um, Sometimes uh, scores can go over 25 goals, so mm. so it's uh, smaller field. Yeah, exactly, and and there's more there's more um, emphasis on stick play. So yeah. where do they play that indoors around here? Uh, I I'm not quite sure what facilities uh, offer that indoors. Um, okay. I would I'd have to that, but that's an interesting question. I'll have to find that out because yeah. that's definitely something I'll have to keep in mind for okay. uh, this off season. Well, it sounds like it's a growing sport, and uh, hopefully they'll get some more participation in it. Yeah. Before I go to track, I don't want to forget we got a couple tennis teams. Oh, there you go. Uh, Jonathan Alder right now, they're at the top of the standings in the Central Buckeye Conference, which they won the last two or three conference championships. They've got a couple guys uh, by the name of Jacob Zhang and Grant Welsh who could uh, make some noise in the postseason. Marysville is in the middle of the pack in the OCC. Um, tough division. Marysville – They've had boys tennis for a long time. They, there's never been a lot of consistency. They'll have a decent season, then they'll maybe slump a little bit. It's helped the last few years. They've got a middle school feeder program, again, talking about uh, getting younger kids introduced to tennis uh, at an earlier age. The thing that I like about Marysville's team is there are three singles players. Gianni, Russo, Will Nuspel, and Brady Scott are all freshmen. And especially Russo and Scott have put together uh, some pretty solid seasons. So I think tennis is going to be 
on the upswing for Marysville here in the next few years. Uh, speaking of track, uh, where do you begin? We've got we've got a lot of talented individual athletes. Uh, the track teams in our area they're all going into or have already started their conference uh, meets so far this year. Fairbanks's boys and girls are both in second place in the OHC North Division meet after last night's prelims. Uh, we've got a number of athletes who I think are going to get to regional competition and then also maybe get to the state track meet, which the thing I like this year is that the state track meet for all three divisions, one, two, and three, that it's all going to be in one place again, the Jesse Owens Memorial Stadium at Ohio State. Last year, because of COVID, we were split. Division one was at Hilliard Derby. Uh, Division two was in Pickerington. Division three was at Westerville North. But barring any problems over the next three weeks or so, everybody who's going to be running in the state track meet is going to be running at Jesse Owens, and that makes a makes it a lot easier for us if we got every kid that we cover who's going to be in the state track meet um, on one in one facility. Uh, there have been several athletes who have really stood out this year. Uh, Karis Gossett, who's a shot putter and discus thrower for Marysville's girls team, she set a new. Uh, girls school record in the shot put this is being her senior year 38 nine and a oh, half and that, that's that's chucking it pretty that's pretty nicely um <laughs> some other marysville athletes who i think are going to advance pretty far in the postseason you've got uh cam jones who got to the regional i believe in the boys long jump uh, he's been consistently over 20 feet uh, this year, that that those are numbers that'll get him back to the regional. Uh, we've got a couple of distance runners in Jack Flanagan for the boys and Bryn Hotham of the girls who have posted some very good times. Um, I can see them qualifying for the regional as well. Uh, Fairbanks's girls. Well, let's let's talk a little bit about Kenley Green this year. She has broken two sprint records at Fairbanks that have had been on the books for over 40 years. Jeez. Uh, she, and she, a few weeks ago, a couple weeks ago, she broke the 200 record that was set back in 1977 by Laura Chapelier, who was an outstanding sprinter and relay runner for Fairbanks in the late 70s into the early 80s. And then just last night at the OHC prelim, she broke Laura's 100-meter dash record that was set back in 1980. So that's that's saying quite a lot for this young lady. I talked to her after she had broken the 200 record, and she's just a very very quiet unassuming young lady who just goes out and does what she can to help her team uh, Macy Miller high jumper hurdler long jumper high jump is her specialty there you go. she finished second in the state in the division three 
state meet last year. Macy had some problems with her knees toward the end of basketball season. She, uh, that big snowstorm we had in early February, if everybody will remember, uh, was tempting for people who wanted to go sledding. Oh, no. And tubing mm-hmm. and all that stuff. And that's a recipe for disaster. Yeah, and it was for Macy. She missed the last few games of the basketball season. And really, they didn't. Patrick Cotter, the head coach of Fairbanks, wasn't sure at the start of the season just how soon he'd have Macy back. But she was cleared earlier than expected, and she's been jumping consistently in the 5-6 area. I look for her to get back to the state as well. Uh, Rachel Hoover, sophomore distance runner, she has state meet experience in both cross country and track. Uh, You've got a variety of of boys and girls running on several relay races that I think will qualify for the regional and go on to the state meet. Uh, Brogan Green's just an athlete for, for Fairbanks' boys team, but he's not the only one. His brother Riker is very strong. Zach Picklesimer, Caleb Wenger, a lot of these guys have done a fantastic job uh, in their various events. Uh, triad, uh, their problem is numbers. They they, they, they don't run in dual meets because they just flat out don't have the numbers to, to win dual meets. I think, what was it, between the boys and girls team, they have maybe 13 athletes, somewhere around there. Yeah. But two of them in particular have stood out this year. Uh, Tyler Gross won the OHC North Division shot put yesterday. Mm-hmm. The, that event was scored as a final over at Northeastern High School. Kayla Eaton, who is a sophomore, has just been an incredible athlete this year. She uh, runs hurdles. She's set school records in the hurdles. She's a high jumper, runs on relays. Um, I look for both of those folks to get to the regional competitions and score some points. Uh, North Union, the boys and girls, They've sort of been in the middle of the road, but they do have some good athletes. Uh, it appears that the one of the standout athletes for the boys team is Lincoln Hera. He's Lincoln Hera, rather. He's a long jumper, runs on some relay events, uh, and can do just about anything you ask him to do. Savannah Amstutz for the girls is a solid 800 runner. Uh, Jonathan Alder, you've got. When you want to talk about Jonathan Alder, you got to talk about Joey Walker, the high jumper. He's a senior this year. He won the Division II state high jump last year over in Pickerington. Um, he's cleared 6-6 this year. He tried going for 6-8 at a meet in Marysville earlier this year. Just couldn't quite get his rear end up over the bar, but, but he feels he's going to reach 6-8. Uh, especially in the postseason and with the weather turning better, uh, I don't think there's any doubt that he'll clear that. And I really, unless something happens, barring injury, which we hope we don't uh, see that for Joey, he's got a very good shot of defending his state high jump championship. Uh, Reagan Gray is is someone for the Jonathan Alder girls 
team that she just runs a variety of events, uh, just a very good athlete. And uh, another one that I think could get to the state in, in, in an event of some sort, whether it's an individual or a relay. So it, it's going to be exciting to see how many of our local athletes we can get down to Jesse Owens this year. We've had years when we've had a ton of kids competing down there, and then we've had years when we've only had one or two. But uh, the more that you can get down there, the more it can uh, put an emphasis on the type of track programs we have in this county. Right. The sport that Union County seems to have hang, hung its hat on for a number of years of softball and it's no exception this year. We've got three of our five teams who are conference divisional championship teams this year. Marysville, which has always been a very strong program, won the outright OCC Capital Division title last night. It, it wasn't a pretty game that they played against Olin Tangy, Marysville one seven to four, but as I was telling Chad Williamson earlier today, that was a game that it started at five fifteen, and I was getting to my car a little bit after eight o'clock last night, and that's a long, long time <laughs> for softball. Exactly. Normally, a softball game starts at five fifteen if it's a well played game. Uh, shortly after seven o'clock, you're about ready to pack it up and go on home. But this was a game that had, you know, twelve errors nine of which were committed by Olin Tangy. Marysville didn't hit the ball well on a consistent basis, but they hit it well enough at times to win. Uh, that win was in company with Thomas Worthington upsetting Olin Tangy Berlin last night. Mm. Now that's a big deal in that Marysville so only conference loss was to Olin Tangy Berlin about a week and a half ago. Marysville had beaten Olin Tangy Berlin prior to that. So both teams had one loss in the conference going into last night's game. The schedule of games. Marysville needed to beat Olin Tangy, which they did to at least clinch a share of the championship. Nobody was expecting Thomas Worthington, which has struggled this year, to beat Olin Tangy Berlin, but they did nine to eight. They did it in a very unusual fashion. They had the bases loaded in the bottom of the seventh. Oh no! Game was tied eight all. Wild pitch by a Berlin pitcher. Thomas Worthington came in with the winning run. That leaves Marysville as undisputed sole possession of the OCC Cardinal Division. What has been different about Marysville's this year is. They went into the season knowing they had two very good pitchers in Taryn Bourne and Abby Christian, both juniors. Both lettered last year as Marysville won the, the conference championship. And Jennifer Segner-Maxwell, the head coach, told me in the preseason that we look at it as we have two number one pitchers. Well, that's how they've been playing. They have both split games this year. Christian will start one game. She'll maybe go an inning or two. Then Taryn Bourne will come in and pitch for a, a couple innings, or it'll be vice versa. Taryn will start. Abby will come in and relieve. Mm -hmm. And Jen said she likes that because it gives 
the opposing batting order, two different pitchers they have to look at and try to keep them off balance. Uh, Marysville's offense has been one one great last night against uh, Olin Tangy, but but they've been moving the ball pretty well, hitting the ball. Uh, catcher Haley Winans has had a, a tremendous season. She's batting well over 400, and there was there was a stretch here a couple weeks ago where she had 15 hits and something like 16 at bats wow. to keep to keep the offense going. Abby Gindelsberger's the only senior on this team. Take note of that. She's starting third baseman, very good ball player. They will miss her, but everybody else on this roster is going to be back. And their JV team, I think, has only lost one game this year, if, if memory serves me correctly. Um, it used to be that Marysville was, when you talked about Division One softball in the Central District, it was Marysville and all you others. Mm-hmm. Marysville's won like five district championships in six seasons. It's not like that anymore. You've got teams like Taze Valley that right. are very strong out there. Uh, Marysville's going to have to maybe pick things up a little bit to win a district championship this year. They're, they're very capable of doing it, but they're going to have to uh, keep up their hitting, and they they were a little down after they lost to Olentangy Berlin, but but uh, hopefully this game that they played against Olentangy last night will get them out of their doldrums. I'm hoping for a better game tonight, which is Tuesday. This this podcast isn't going to be released till Thursday, but they play Westerville Central tonight. Hopefully that'll get uh, things going again. How many how many times have the Lady Monarchs um, scored over 20 runs in a game? Because it's been a couple that I've seen, and it's been like very. I mean, that's uh, how three or, three or four times. Yeah, they, and they've had some other run rule victories that they they keep teams off the scoreboard. They've only given up something like what, 40 runs in 23 games, I think. Wow. So. Uh, I think that one of the surprise team, softball team, to me this year has been Fairbanks. Now Fairbanks has had a good fair, uh, softball tradition as well, but it was in years when they had what I would call superstar type players. Right. You know, a Kim Headings, uh, uh, the Scheiderer girls, uh, Sarah Gruner. Fairbanks doesn't have that this year, but they've got a, a very solid team of players that have come together as a team. You've got Anna Higby, who can catch and play third base. She's hitting, let me look at my notes here. She is hitting well over 400. Let me see here. Anna Higby is hitting 426 with 19 RBIs. Jenna D has driven in 24 runs. Uh, Gracie Pyers is hitting 375. Gracie's a senior who messed up her knee during the soccer season last fall. She wasn't able to play basketball this winter, but thankfully she was able to return to softball this year. Sarah Reitzel uh, pitched a, com- a perfect game here last week. She's 9-4 and four on the season and is third in the OHC with 78 strikeouts. Uh, they've got... 
a decent tournament draw. They open up on Thursday of this week. They're hosting Columbus Bishop Reedy. Fairbanks is the number five seed. Reedy's number 11. So, you know, Reedy's had a solid softball program in the past, but they've been on a sort of a downward slide, and I look for Fairbanks to win this game. When you talk about North Union, that's another team like Marysville that's just had an incredible softball history. Uh, numerous conference championships, including this year, the Mad River Division of the Central Buckeye Conference. Um, North Union's made six, seven trips to the state final four and a couple of runner-up finishes, two or three runner-up finishes. Uh, they've got a new head coach this year in Emily Clark. They may say, again, sound familiar, former standout player for North Union, uh, was a four-year starter at Ohio State for their softball team, played a couple years of professional softball. Uh, they are the number four seed in Division Three. They're also going to be at home um, on May 12th, Thursday, and they are going to be hosting number 12, Johnstown Northridge. So Fairbanks North Union, no problem with first round victories. I don't I, feel. I will say for the for the Lady Cats, um, I was I was just editing Bob's story before the story went into the Richwood Gazette, and I saw that Emily said that championships are to be expected for North Union. Uh, yes, yes, there. That has been the mantra, if you will, for lack of a better word, at North Union since they began the program back in 1979, I think. 1979, maybe 78, 79, 78, I can't remember, was the first year of softball for North Union. In that time, over 40 years, they've had two losing seasons. Since then. Wow. One of those losing seasons, they won 10 and lost 12. Another, the other losing season, they won 12 and lost 14. So even their losing seasons were fairly wow. solid compared to a lot of other teams. Um, the, the, the top softball team that I've seen this year as far as locals, Jonathan Alder. They're 19-1 and one after last night's victory over Hilliard-Bradley. Uh, they went undefeated in the uh, Kenton Trail Division of the CBC. So you've got Marysville, Jonathan Alder, and North Union all won division championships this year within their respective conferences. Um, super pitcher in Marley Jacobs, a senior, 17-1, 0.92 ERA. It's a solid senior class for Jonathan Alder. Daniel Robbins, who is an infielder, is batting 5-0. Seven, uh, Jacobs herself has 24 RBIs. Kylie King, the catcher, has 20 RBIs. Uh, this, these seniors, a number of them, were part of the team three years ago that won the Division II state championship. Jacobs, as a freshman that year, was their top pitcher. She was the winning pitcher in the, the state championship game, and that says a lot for a freshman. Two years ago, when they were sophomores, 2020, we all know what happened in the right. spring of 2020. Right. Everything all, was Everything, all spring sports were just shut down because of COVID. 
And I felt bad for all the kids in spring sports, but I felt particularly bad for Jonathan Alder's softball team because they had everybody back from the team that won the state championship the year before. Mm. I am convinced no one can will ever be able to convince me otherwise had spring sports been able to be played in 2020, Jonathan Alder would have been a two-time state champion. Mm. Last year, they lost in the district tournament to, to Lakewood, which is another good good softball team. Uh, softball across Ohio has improved quite dramatically over the years, uh, especially in the Central District. And Jonathan Alder is going to have a uh, you know they're gonna have to bring their A game every every game in the in the tournament. But uh, I see the these young ladies winning the district championship this year. I know when they lost in the district tournament to Lakewood last year on their home diamond, that left a very bad taste in their mouths. I was there for that game. There was a lot of tears, a lot of anger, mm-hmm. um, and they gathered together. This year's senior class, who were juniors last year, they gathered the team together after that game against Lakewood, and they said this is not going to happen again, and I don't think it's going to. I look for Jonathan Alder to get to regional competition and possibly even beyond. So that, in a nutshell, is where we're headed as far as the tournament. We've got uh, some softball teams that I think are going to advance. Mm-hmm. Uh, up the ladder, we've got some track kids who are going to mm-hmm. move at least onto the regionals, possibly the state. And um, lacrosse, we'll see what happens. We'll it's, see what happens. It's 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 a growing sport, and you know, as someone who lived in the Northeast where lacrosse is king, it's interesting to um, see the level of passion that people have for softball and baseball, um, because it was the exact same in the Northeast, but for lacrosse, boys mm-hmm. and girls. Um, my sister plays uh, overseas at Queens University Belfast, and um, you know, whenever I uh, talk to her about lacrosse here, she's she she always has a bunch of questions about how they play it. But um, all I can say is, is that with uh, the officials learning how to officiate the game, with the players learning how to play the game, with the coaches learn. Uh, you know, steadily trying to grow the sport. Um, I think that lacrosse in Union County and, uh, you know, in Plain City for that matter, I think it's on the up and up. And I think J.A. lacrosse might uh, shock some people. Um, they got a lot of they got a lot of really good defenders. Another so. question I've always had about lacrosse, and I, yeah, I before you got right, here, right. when you got here, you found out we had lacrosse, and you said, can I cover lacrosse <laughs> in the spring? And I had covered some lacrosse in the spring before, right. but... Wasn't my cup of tea, but right. it, it's yours. Mm-hmm. You go for it. The the question I've always had: You see, boys lacrosse, lacrosse teams, and then men's lacrosse teams mm-hmm. in college, they're out there in helmets and and padding right. and, and whatnot, and the girls are out there in hair ribbons and and shorts and shirts. Right. But it's it's essentially the same game. What it's. Girls are basically putting themselves on the line to get clobbered by sticks, right. just like boys are. Why don't girls, you know more, far more about lacrosse than I do, why aren't the girls helmeted up, face masked up? They've got the goggles right. to, to protect their eyes, mm-hmm. and I'm sure they most of them wear mouth guards, but yeah. they go out there and in I mean, some yeah. rough games, and they don't have the protection that... 
that that boys have. Why is that? So lacrosse for girls, and I've you know I've had my sister explain this to me because I played a season of lacrosse when I was in the Northeast, um, and obviously I played boys lacrosse, but um, girls, it's all about stick play. Um, if that makes sense. So, like, a girl can pick up a guy's stick and already know what to do. Yeah. Like, and, like, the pocket's deeper, um, and that's pretty much the only thing that's really different about the sticks. But, um, you know, it's it's a lot more strategy involved in moving around the goal, getting in the crease. And, um, obviously, the the games evolved to where, like, there's not as many penalties. Um, it wasn't that uncommon where back in the day where someone get, would get hit in the body or something like that mm-hmm. and get hit in the face. Whistle, relocate, blah, 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 and then they go right back into the action. Um, My sister actually liked that because it would put her in a good position and players would be distant from her to where, like, she could uh, try to strategize how to get a good shot off. Mm -hmm. Um, But to answer your question really further, um, the game's kind of moving that way. There is a study being done down in Florida where uh, they're having girls wear helmets. And, okay. seeing, uh, and seeing if that uh, goes into it. I do know that in the Northeast, girls have actually played boys lacrosse. They've played with boys. And right. They, and they've worn the pads and stuff. So yeah. I, don't think, I don't think that it's... Um, I don't know. It, 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 so we're heading toward that, you we're, think? We're heading toward that. Um, one thing that I would like to see, um, you know, and this is like very... Just like a really, you know, fine detail that I don't really think matters in the whole scheme of things. But my high school at one point ditched the skirts and just went with shorts for mm-hmm. the ladies. Um, and I think that with those kinds of like key movements, um, and key decisions, I think that it won't be that far off until girls are allowed to like stick check like the guys are, because I've seen Ohio State play, they stick check yeah. so hard <laughs> and, and, and the, the, the speed in which they're moving at is quite insane. But, um, the stick play, especially when it comes to the girls side is way more intricate. Um, they're, they're better, they're better stick handlers that way. Um, and, and I think that when you put up, when, when, when a guy picks up a girl stick, he can't really keep the ball in the, in the, in the, in the net. So it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it, it, it will evolve, I think of eventually. Um, but, uh, until that time, I mean, we're just going to have to play with the rules that they have at the current time. Play so. with the rules. But I'll tell you what, that doesn't mean that the girls aren't physical. I mean, there are several times this past season where I've seen the, the Lady Monarchs um, lay the wood a few times, if that's, <laughs> if that's a, a word. So it's like, it's, it's like you, they're, they're, not, they're not not physical, if that makes sense. But, like, I mean, it's the same with boys and girls soccer, right? Like, both are physical. Um, I just feel like the, the ladies don't talk as much. I think that they're all about that action, really. But yeah. there you go. It'll continue to evolve, like yeah, you said. So. All right. Well, that's the episode for this week. Thank you guys for all the good information. Thanks to everyone out there for listening. If you like what you hear, please be sure and subscribe to the Marysville Journal Tribune podcast pages. You can find us on Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, and many other places where podcasts are available. So be sure to tune into the show next week, and we'll see you on Thursday.